0: This is Dropped Among This Crowd, a podcast that dives into the music and community of improvisational, progressive rock band, Umphreys McGee. Each week will feature a rotating schedule of insightful, full show recaps, interviews with fellow Umphreys, members of Team UM, as well as other musicians who have been inspired by and or played with the band. This is your place for all the latest news and happenings within the world of Umphreys, helping keep you informed on what's been recently released or where you can catch the next show. I'm your host, Sarah Jahimiak. Thanks for joining me as we dive in. Are you prepared for what comes next? Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for this week of Dropped Among This Crowd. I hope you were able to check out last week's show which featured special guest and show editor Eric to chat all about the recent Detroit run on January 31st and February 1st. If you haven't given that a listen yet, there is a link in the show notes where you can find it. This week we'll kick off the stellar South East leg of Hindsight Tour 2020. Two new and interesting places that the band got to play to start this little four-night run. First up, we'll revisit the show in Memphis, Tennessee at Graceland Soundstage at Elvis Presley's home in Memphis, Tennessee on February 12th, and a first-hand recap of the show on February 13th at the Caverns in Pelham, Tennessee. I am very, very excited to bring you guys all of the details about that venue and show. Are you trying to find a place to get the word out about your shirts, pins, jewelry, interesting trinkets, band that's going on tour, or small business that's looking to connect with some like-minded folks? Dropped Among This Crowd pod would love to help, including ad time on the show, ticket giveaways, social media plugs, product reviews, and more, Dropped Among This Crowd can help you reach and be seen by tons of fellow ump freaks, musicians, and other kind folks looking to purchase from you, work with you, and support their fellow ump family. Email pod at gmail.com if you're interested in chatting more. Before we get into it this week, in case you missed it, the band has announced Summer Tour 2020. Very, very excited to see these dates. These come in addition to the few random dates and festivals that have already been announced. And there may be a few here that I've already informed you guys about, but I just want to read the dates in order. So I don't skip any that are on this list. They are... June 25th at Paper Mill Island in Baldwinsville, New York. Personally very excited about this date. Only two hours from me here in Buffalo. It's beautiful and family-friendly venue. I love it when they play there. I believe this is the third time they've played there. Second time I'll see them there. Um, but it's just a really awesome venue. I'm super happy about that. And if you're close to the area, um, or if not, get in the van and check it out, Baldwinsville. New York. Uh, After that, uh, already announced June 26th at the Stone Pony in Ashbury Park, New Jersey. June 27th, Baltimore, Maryland at MECU Pavilion. June 28th is on the list, but no word on where they'll be playing yet. There are a few dates on this list um, that's the case for, um, and of course, when they announce details on those dates, I will pass it along to you guys. July 2nd through July 5th, Peach Festival. July 10th through 12th, Levitate Music and Arts Festival in Marshfield, Massachusetts. July 17th, Forecastle Festival in Louisville, Kentucky. July 16th through 19th, Northwest String Summit in North Plains, Oregon. July 22nd through 26th, Floyd Fest in Florida floyd virginia excuse me that was a lot august 6th in wilmington north carolina at greenfield lake amphitheater august 7th in savannah georgia at johnny mercer theater august 8th in chattanooga tennessee at the signal august 9th in birmingham alabama at avondale brewing company august 13th and august 14th are ones that are on the list but no word on where they're playing yet August 15th in Minneapolis, Minnesota at First Avenue. August 16th in Des Moines, Iowa at Brenton Skating Plaza. August 22nd and 23rd, again, on the list, but no word. August 27th, Fayetteville, Arkansas at George's Majestic Lounge. August 28th in Nashville, Tennessee at Ascend Amphitheater. And August 29th in Indianapolis, Indiana at The Lawn at White River State Park. That show at that venue was always a fucking killer time for sure. Tickets go on sale this Friday, March 13th at 11 a.m. Eastern. If you're listening to this when it airs on Tuesday, March 10th. There are um, definitely some of these dates will sell out. I know Wilmington last year definitely did. Um, So make sure you snag your tickets. All of the information you need for everything can be found in the show notes. All right, so let's get into it this week. February 12th at Graceland Soundstage at Elvis Presley's home in Memphis, Tennessee. This was the first time the band has played at this venue that is located on the Graceland property. Folks I know that did go to this show... This is the only one of the four night runs that we did not go to. Also toward Elvis Presley's home. The band and crew also posted a photo of them doing the same before the show. It seemed like a really awesome experience for anyone that visited. And I'm sure it was no doubt an awesome experience for the band and the crew. Bayless actually mentions that he talked to his dad Um, after visiting Graceland and his dad mentioned that he doesn't say it very often, but he was jealous of the fact that Bayless got to go and visit the home of the king. I'm sure it was very, very cool. Um, I saw pictures and then Bayless mentioned that there was like carpet everywhere, like walls, the floor, the ceiling. So very interesting for sure. Um, I will make sure to link Any information about Graceland in the show notes, so you can dig into that a little more if you're interested. And I do want to mention something interesting that happened to a buddy of mine during the show. I'm sure a few of you listening know Kyle. Well, apparently he was actually confronted by security and escorted out for dancing. Yes, dancing. The security guard told him that someone complained about him when clearly he was surrounded by friends and family. And I'm sure that all of them were dancing and raging just as hard as he was. They actually pulled him away from the show to have a talk with him. And then when they realized that there was no issue, they allowed him back into the show. Very interesting turn of events for a place that's supposed to be about music it's elvis presley's house i mean who else do you think of that is dancing you know what i mean like elvis presley it's very interesting that that occurred there and especially when they booked a rock and roll concert perhaps they're just not used to the enthusiasm that us um freaks possess i don't know but at least the rest of the evening turned out really good for him Anyway, getting the evening started with 40s, moving right along into white man's moccasins, giving the impression things are coming to a conclusion, instead getting itself into a tizzy and feeling a little haphazard, bursting through and walking very confidently into Got Your Milk, knowing exactly its intention as it starts out on its own slightly before three and a half Revealing a more metallic side to itself about four minutes later as it continues on. Coming back down to earth to cool its heels a little while later, slightly after ten minutes. Sweetly moving along and beginning to piece together as out of order. Fully forming and firming firmly bursting through fully into out of order. No Diablo next. Followed by a little we want the umph chant from the crowd that would provoke a little spontaneous noted as incomplete on all things um freeze uh soul food too from the band before dancing right into women wine and song wandering off on an interesting adventure as it heads out walking right through what i envision like this sort of curtain almost or something and then when it comes like comes through it reveals itself as higgins sinking into itself very comfortably, very early on before four minutes, floating along for a little bit, beginning to pick itself up about two minutes later, gaining momentum, fully opening itself and soaring way out, and then nose diving right back into Higgins. Coming out as a standalone version, this tune would close out the first set of the evening. Set 2 would reveal itself as a rather tasty, nothing-too-fancy sandwich, giving us a taste with 18 minutes of the aforementioned song to start the second set, getting really gritty about 12 minutes after spending a little time off wandering on its own, making things all sorts of interesting as it starts to lose its footing, trying to find itself as it continues on this haphazard path, leaving nothing too fancy behind completely and side stepping right into much obliged followed by haji with ringo coming out next really sinking in after it heads out the second time about seven minutes continuing to trudge along getting more heaviness to it as it goes on starting to shed that off as it begins its dance back into ringo not skipping a beat and moving right into Wife Soup next. Followed by the Lanier heading off on its own as it cools and shakes off the core of the Lanier, beginning to gather itself all together a few minutes later, enjoying itself for a little bit and continuing to gain all sorts of energy and bursting through into the conclusion of the Nothing Too Fancy that started the second set, giving this set some closure. Encore would be two songs, a bust-out cover to begin, and personally was not at all surprised to see this on the set list. Graceland by Paul Simon, last played October first, two 2010 at the Depot in Salt Lake City, 943 shows ago. This one was actually placed as the opener on the paper set list, but it was decided that this one would be placed in the Encore instead and I think that was a really good choice. Bringing the evening totally to a close with glory. Are you looking for the perfect gift for that rocker chick in your life? Perhaps you're looking for a killer new vintage rock kimono for yourself, or a new sweet piece of canvas art for your apartment? Life Clothing Co. has you covered. Featuring the cutest vintage band t-shirts, sweaters with feel-good sayings, rompers, a fantastic selection of beautiful bell-bottoms, and some swoon-worthy home decor, you are sure to find something for that special lady in your life or that perfect outfit to wear to the next show. Check out the link in the show notes to take a peek at their amazing Grateful Dead and Led Zeppelin gear. Seriously, you or that lady in your life are going to love their stuff. Life clothing co is your place for authentic boho vintage fashion and exclusively for my listeners if you use promo code sarah jahimiak rep 10 at checkout you'll receive 10 percent off your total order that's promo code sarah jahimiak rep 10 s-a-r-a-j-a-c-h-i-m-i-a-k-r-e-p and the number 10 at checkout and you'll receive 10 percent off That brings us to the Caverns show, February 13th in Pelham, Tennessee, the home of Emmy winning PBS TV series, Bluegrass Underground. It is in the base of Mont Eagle Mountain in the Valley of Pelham, Tennessee. I'll throw some links to stuff about the Caverns and Bluegrass Underground in the show notes so you can check that out more if you'd like. The drive was a little sketchy getting to the venue, like up the hill and everything. It is not as bad as the drive out of Iroquois in Louisville, however, but it still was not my favorite. Thankfully, the weather was not really rainy or anything. Um, My husband did go to uh, like a local little store when we were in town and the woman there mentioned that when it rains really bad... Um, they do cancel the shows because it's just completely unsafe to drive up the mountain when it's raining. So even though we had rain at our hotel in Mont Eagle, uh, the venue was about 20 minutes away. And, you know, it was good there. So we didn't have any issues driving up the hill. Um, it was just a little sketchy. People were doing the carpool thing. And some people were doing like Econo vans and school buses. Uh, the hotel that we stayed at, the Quality Inn, did have a shuttle but we were told that it filled up really quickly, so you would have to call and reserve it ASAP. I also know that the other hotel, uh, Smoke Lodge, had a shuttle as well. I heard before we got to the show that there were no ride shares, um, available in the area. But when we were leaving the venue, I did see an Uber. And also, um, I saw someone mention online like after the show that they also so- saw rideshare service. So I'm not totally sure. Um, if they do or they don't. Like I said, I drove. We had our son with us. So, you know, I drove us to and then back to the hotel. Again, not the worst. But if you're driving to and from the caverns, be smart. Know your limits. Understand the fact that you're driving up and down a mountain. Anyway, walking in was really cool. There's these little streams on either side. And you walk up. You know, you're like walking up into the thing and you see Sam and the merch table. And then you walk through these gigantic doors. They were propped open, but just these super huge ass doors, no doubt, like so heavy. And as soon as you walk through there, it instantly gets 20 degrees warmer, which we knew. And I think they said that the temperature inside stays like a certain amount the whole year. But if the weather outside, you know, dips to a certain temperature, they kind of like, you know, adjust it inside. But of course, all the uh, umphreaks in there sweating and raging certainly made it very warm in there. Also, there is zero cell service inside the cave itself. I did have some spotty service at my car before going in. I was texting my oldest son and he was telling me he was getting like five of my messages at one time. Um, But no service inside the cave at all. I heard that from other folks as well. Interesting, there was only one way in and one way out. So when the guys came out each time and then went backstage after the set, they would exit the stage Joel's side and walk the side of the room pretty much through the crowd backstage and then come back up the same way. After the show, the guys were getting a little, like, little league soccer team type, you know, good game, good game, high five from folks after, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, honestly, I was a little let down with the sound of the venue, I walked in expecting something completely different, and also they mentioned in emails for people that had um, gotten pre-sale tickets through um, VIP, um, or um, ticketing, I'm sorry, and there were also signs hanging in the venue talking about talking during the shows, but there were still the typical amount of chompers during the sets, also something That was just plain awful experience, and when I was reading about other people during the show, they sadly were having the same issue. People just seemed to be walking through other people in the crowd or creeping right up on top of you and giving you like zero room to move. It was at one point, halfway through the first set, this guy completely like walks threw me, almost knocking me onto the ground. This guy was probably two times the size of me. Um, And honestly, if I would not have been holding my five-year-old at that moment so that he could see what was going on, this guy probably would have knocked me on the ground. Having the extra weight of holding on to my five-year-old actually helped me from falling. And there was like zero acknowledgement of the fact that he just completely plowed through somebody. And then as I'm watching him go through the rest of the crowd, he is just Plowing through people like he's some sort of lawn equipment or something, just plowing through the crowd of people. It was just very, very interesting to see um, to see somebody act that way. We instantly moved after that. I looked at my husband and was like, "We we got to move. We got to get out of here." We did find a really, really sick spot to chill for the rest of the show. Joel side kind of over. We were on this flat uh, surface of rock. It was seriously a killer spot. There were so many people kind of creeping around and waiting to see if we were gonna leave so they could sneak in there. So, so grateful. we had such a much better better evening now that we had some space to dance and sit and hang out. Really, I feel like that was the only spot in the whole cave where there was to sit. Um, we actually grabbed some rocks um, from like the base of the cave. There was like rubble and, and everything kind of sitting there. so, we grabbed a couple rocks to take home for a very awesome souvenir. And honestly, the highlight from the entire Cavern show for me was watching Ben Factor light up the cave. Honestly, 100%. It was very, very awesome. And after we had moved back, um, we were able to see you know the full stage much better and, and see Factor at work. And during the second set, a lot of people moved back. I'm sure it was very, very crowded up at front. You could tell. Um, but also to visually get, you know, get it more, be able to see what was going on. And like I said, it was a huge highlight for me from the Cavern Show to watch Ben Factor light that up. Um, if if I'm understanding correctly, he had a smaller rig than he usually would use. So that's even cooler. Um, he of course killed it both nights in Asheville and there's no doubt he killed it in Memphis too. But something about just watching him uh, light up that cave was was very, very awesome. I want to give some shout outs to Spencer and his crew. Uh, Brendan and I met them at breakfast at Quality Inn in Mont Eagle the morning of the cavern show. Then we saw them again as we were walking out that night at the venue they gave my son um, a Batman mask that Spencer was wearing during the evening. My husband was dressed up as Batman for the show, he said, because we were in the quote unquote bat cave. He had his Andy Farag Ryman and Chyman shirt underneath too. <laughs> and my son was wearing his Batman jacket the night of the show. So it was perfect that he had the Batman mask to go with. Uh, Spencer and his crew are just the coolest and the nicest folks and he listens to the show too so I wanted to give him a shout out thank you guys for being awesome folks and being super rad with my kid and listening to the show and supporting this so I hope to see you guys again and we've already connected uh, thanks to social media so I'm sure that we will. Also, I want to shout out the dude that made the Batman Caverns shirts, Colbin. Very cool. And my husband was so stoked to be getting a shirt that went along with his theme for the show. I also want to shout out my girl, Kat Forbin, who hooked it all up and tagged me in the post on Facebook to make sure we got one of those sweet ass shirts. I know you listen, girl, and wanted to say thank you for your support and making sure I saw that post. And also shout out to my girl, Ashley, and her boyfriend, Tim. I love you guys so much. Glad that we were able to see you, even if it was for a little bit. And thank you for the pair of tickets for Asheville, for Brendan. He was super stoked to be there. So thank you. And I want to give a huge shout out to my husband, who is seriously the best teammate ever. That's honestly how we make this work. We make a really awesome team, and people ask me all the time how we are able to take our five-year-old on all these adventures, um, all these shows and everything. And it's honestly because we are super open before the weekend even starts about what the plans are for the shows, uh, getting there and back, do we need to Uber, what our personal plans are for the show, um, etc., and you know, then, if I have to do something for the show, an interview, a meeting, or whatever, um, we do a lot of what I call front loading, um, you know, really putting out there what we what we want to and need to accomplish uh while we're away at these runs and you know it's all about understanding and working together we both want to be at these shows and sometimes we have to take Brendan which we love to do especially when he gets to visit places like the caverns in Asheville and explore the world like this i mean we of course like going just the two of us but i am grateful that we get to um, take him with us and, and he gets to experience these things as well. Um, but again, it's all about understanding and communication and working together. And, you know, my husband understands that me being at these shows and meeting up with people, um, you know, that there's a purpose to that. So he's like, you know, just do what you have to do and, and I'll stay here and hang with him and, and go to the hotel pool or whatever. And, you know, so it's it's all about communication and understanding and knowing that, you know, the show itself may be a little different, uh, personally because we have the kid with us, um, but we're perfectly okay with that because we we want to be at the show. So, all right, so let's get to the show that evening, beginning with the walkout tune "Bathing Digits," but really getting it started, bursting out with the triple wide very honestly was an absolutely perfect way to open the show lightwise and I know I'm going to bring this up a couple times it was absolutely amazing like I said we had Brendan with us and my husband was in line for water and we went up pretty close Brendan likes to go up as close as he possibly can and I'm holding him up and they, they get into the triple wide and the look on his face when they dropped in In factor just lit up that cave, something I will honestly never forget, just the look on his face. And if you listen to the recording of this show, you can for sure hear everyone's reaction about 48 seconds. Like, you're gonna know. You listen back to the song, you're gonna know the instant that he lit that up. And it was just so awesome. Listening back to it gave me goosebumps. And that moment is a highlight of the night for me personally. There's Triple Wide, a very nice little way to get it all started. I never in my life thought I would be part of a Triple Wide dance party in a cave. And that's what I mean about this venue. Like, it was a very cool experience. And I mean, honestly, the number of cool experiences I know we've all can say that we've been able to have because of this band is endless. And if you didn't go to the Caverns this year and they play again, I think you should go. Personally, I won't be going back. Um, I feel like it was just like, okay, I've done it. It was awesome. But if you didn't go this year and they play there again next year, I think you should go at least once to experience and say that you've been there. I would put this Triple White on my 2020 list. Well, I did put it on there. Most certainly deserving a second listen and a little of your time if you haven't listened yet. Switching paths and embracing a more ominous, dark sort of being chased into a cave vibe almost within the black next. Utopian fur, another highlight I felt from the evening, slipping into the fish tune caverns as the break song for about 35 seconds, give or take, starting about one minute, 28 seconds in. Um, I'm not sure what fish show that's from. Um, They sort of like had it playing and then they played and then they had, you know, Trey, you know, sing for a little bit. Um, But I don't know what fish show that is from um, at all. I'm sure I could uh, reach out to Joel and ask because he would be the one to know I think. Coming back out and back into Utopian, sliding down the rabbit hole just a little bit and then fully tumbling all the way in slightly after three minutes, showing its heaviness right away about 445. Sounds very familiar to me and I'm gonna dig into that one a little more. Maybe from Northfield is where I heard it recently or something and Honestly, when I heard it this first time I'm thinking of, I thought it sounded familiar then. So, listen to that part in there about 4.45 and it does creep in again later on in the jam. But listen to that and tell me if that sounds familiar. If this sounds like something that we heard recently. I'm going to dig into that personally myself and see what I can come up with. If you listen to it and you know, please reach out and tell me... um, I would love to know. Rounding the corner and changing its mood, falling apart and building itself back together, wandering off and coming back into Utopian about 15 minutes, taking it for one more walk around the neighborhood slightly after 19 and a half, running off, building itself way up and dropping down and revealing syncopated strangers. That very nice, just about 25-minute Utopian certainly like I may have already mentioned, also deserves a listen, Um, and I did throw that one on my 2020 list as well. Syncopated would be a standalone version this evening, very sweetly sort of floating along slightly after three minutes, finding its way through about three minutes later, smoothly dancing itself back into Syncopated, and Remind Me would Rage Out to close the first set. And I did choose some songs with friends, like a list of what I thought they would play. I went on what I thought would sound good in the cave. while I felt the band for sure went more with what visually looked good with the lights when choosing songs to write this set list. Also, with the first set only being five songs meant more jamming, allowing Factor to paint the cave like a canvas with those lights. I mean, still just sitting here and thinking back to it, like that was definitely uh, you know, one of the highlights from the entire weekend, honestly, was was the lights in that cave. The only song I did get off the list that I mentioned that I thought would sound great in the cave, and it did, the floor would open the second set, charging off slightly before three and a half. Coming back into the floor a few minutes later, Xmas at Wartime would come out next. A beautiful song that again allowed Factor the opportunity to paint the cave. The reds and the greens were just gorgeous. I love the color combinations that he's been doing. The red and the green in Xmas at Wartime. Um, we'll get the purple and the yellows and you know, just the color combinations that he does of stuff is just really, really beautiful. Thinking we're finished. But instead, completely ripping right the fuck open and aggressively stomping right into robot world, completely rocking the fuck out of that cave 100%, continuing to build this intense energy about it and having a very tool sound to it about the five minute mark as it trudges along. That vibe would sneak out again toward the end of seven minutes-ish before coming back down to earth for only a minute. Picking itself back up and dancing into a cover of the David Bowie and John Lennon tune, Fame. Covered a total of 15 times, including recently. Last seen last year, February 21st, at the Clyde Theater in Fort Wayne, Indiana. The remainder of this second set would give us a nice little puppet string sandwich to drool over. And it most certainly did just that, I felt particularly the first part of this puppet string, when it starts to sink in about five minutes, coming out of the trenches about four minutes later, robotically moving along, shifting and opening into Nemo, dabbling into a little over the hills and far away from Zeppelin in there, slightly after four minutes, the bottom half coming out next, followed by last man swerving and saundering back into puppet string to close out the second set. Encore was one song, a cover of the Flock of Seagulls tune, I Ran, played a total of 46 times, including this one here. Last seen last year, May 31st, in Ozark, Arkansas at Backwoods Music Festival. Bayless was singing I Ran Into a Cave during the chorus which was just super cheesy and I loved every second of it and I just wanted to mention before we wrap up this episode I I just want to say and I don't want to make it seem like Memphis was not a good show and I don't know maybe because I was not there but I do listen to all of the shows to do the recaps for you guys and I've definitely pulled some highlights from nights of shows that I was at or that I was not at excuse me um but I don't know for me Memphis just didn't feel like it had anything that I would come back to later on personally um Next week, we're going to do both nights of Asheville, and I'll share my thoughts on which shows I thought were, you know, the standouts from all four of the nights of this little jaunt in the southeast. But I just I just wanted to call that out and say that. Um, again, Memphis was not a terrible show by any means. Um, listening back to it was really great. I mean, we all know that they kill it every time they play. Um, but personally, just I didn't feel that there was anything – um, in Memphis that kind of really, really stood out to me. So I just, uh, just wanted to mention that. So that's everything for this week. The set list for the shows discussed as well as where you can listen is in the show notes. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out. How you can do that is also in the show notes and also another, any other random facts or information that I chatted about in this episode. Uh, You can find links to that in the show notes as well. Thank you again for joining me. I'll see you around these parts next week. Mad love.